the Surviving Outside Sales Podcast, hosted by Mike O'Kelly, presented by Rhythm AI. The goal is to get in, dominate, then get out. Surviving Outside Sales, along with the show. Welcome to the Surviving Outside Sales Podcast. I have a very exciting show today. I'm here with the CEO of Pipeline Signals, Jamie Shanks. How are you doing today, Jamie? Fantastic, Mike. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. Jamie, not only is the CEO of Pipeline Signals, but also is an author of Social Selling Mastery. He might have coined the term social selling almost about 10 years ago. We're going to dig into that and also something very fantastic called the sphere of influence, a process that I'm absolutely thrilled that he's going to share with you today. So let's dig in. Jamie, how far back you want to go? Give a little synopsis of who you are, uh, kind of fill in the gaps of where I started for the audience. I am a Canuck and I... 10, 12, I guess 12 years ago, I was the VP of sales at a SaaS software company. Mm-hmm. And I thought I knew all the answers there was to sales. And I decided I would spin out and start my own consultancy here in Toronto, Canada mm-hmm. to help local businesses with pipeline creation. That was about as big as my dreams were. Two years later, I had a business that was floundering, barely making any money. And I got really lucky that at that moment in time, tools like LinkedIn were emerging, but nobody had ever really used them for business development. There was no methodology or process to them. And I saw this opportunity and there's a longer story, but we coined this concept called social selling. And inside social selling was one specific sales play or process called the sphere of influence. Mm -hmm. Sphere of influence was about reverse engineering your existing customers, like a spider web, and looking at who cares about that story, usually within one degree of separation of that story. And what came out of that was a sales training program called Social Selling Mastery is one, and another one's called Spear Selling. Mm-hmm. We enabled 600 global customers and a quarter million sellers and built a multi-million dollar business. And from there, spun out of that was a managed service and a SaaS software company that you see here called Pipeline Signals, which actually does the work for the sellers does the mining, does the processing to identify those relationship signals. Mm -hmm. Well, so did your transition away from the SaaS company and kind of doing your own thing, was that something you thought of for a while? Was there an epiphany of this is where I need to go? Because it sounds like you went from, you know, leading software company to getting into the training, the educating and teaching the future sellers of our market. How did that process go for your transition? It went twofold. One, I had an entrepreneurial itch that is always to be scratched. I've owned companies since I was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. From delivering newspapers to my own landscaping company, I actually built Canada's first zero emissions landscaping business. Oh, wow. Okay. We did $300,000 in our first year, right? So like, I've only ever been an employee for a few years of my life. Mm -hmm. So there was that part. And then the second part is that I needed to parlay it into something that I was actually good at. And I discovered, I I lived in Australia from the age of 23 to 25. I did my master's there and I played rugby for the university. When I came back, no one would hire me. I had no sales experience. The only company that would hire me was in commercial real estate and it was a 100% commission job. Hmm. Put me on the phones, start calling CEOs and, and CFOs all day long about commercial real estate. It turns out I was really, really good at prospecting. Hmm. I saw the fundamentals of how it worked easier than other people did. 
So now you fast forward five years later and I've got more sales experience. I felt that I could teach this to other people Mm -hmm. or do it on their behalf. Or I didn't really know what I was doing. I just knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I wanted to be in sales. Yeah, that it, it, it's very similar in my background. I mean, I didn't start as many companies as you did, but I always had that entrepreneurial itch. And so, you know, we always talk about, you know, in our podcast that there are different avenues, you know, you can go work for somebody else if you, if you really enjoy that, but they're for the people who want to kind of branch out on their own, do their own thing, not be a W2, not take orders from somebody else per se. There's so many avenues. And once you get to a certain point in your career, you have so much knowledge that you can share with the people you're trying to help and kind of, you know, bring them along. I, I'm kind of at the beginning of my journey. You know, you are about 10 years into it. So I'm definitely going to try to, to, to take as much information from you as possible. I want to, I want to shift real quick to when you're talking about the sphere of influence, because on surviving outside sales, we definitely talk about building advocates. Can you dive a little deeper into that and how people can replicate that in their daily sales process? Okay. So as a sales professional, if you are newer to this, I'll explain it as if you might be a little bit newer. Mm -hmm. The cost of customer acquisition can be tremendous. That means how much money, time, money, and energy you need to spend to go win one new account. So I'm here drinking out of a Yeti water bottle. Mm -hmm. You win the Yeti account, okay? Your whole company, everybody's super happy. Now it's six months or a year later. The company is successful as a customer. Mm -hmm. What will naturally happen is people who work inside Yeti, who are, some call your fans, your advocates, your champions, they unfortunately will fall out of love with the company that they're working at and they will up and leave and they will go to other businesses. Tracking human beings is one of the greatest leading indicators to where a priority is going into a business or leaving a business because companies like Yeti don't make decisions. People within Yeti are the ones that make the decision. Mm -hmm. So follow the human beings. We'll give you an idea where those priorities are going. So what will happen is people will leave Yeti and they will go into Igloo Cooler as an example. They get to Igloo Cooler. Now, what naturally happens as human beings is you want to, number one, make a massive impact in a quick, short amount of time. Mm -hmm. Two is you typically to divert to the things that you know. So you'll bring in the people, the process and technology that made you successful in the past. Well, that's why it's statistically three to five times cheaper and easier to sell to that advocate who's now over at Igloo Cooler than it is to call up, I don't know, a Caterpillar Cooler, Mm -hmm. but who's never heard of you, has no idea what you do because you do not have an advocate in that business. These are what's called asymmetric competitive advantages. Mm-hmm. relationships are an advantage that your competition struggles to take from you. So mm-hmm. follow the relationships around. No, that's fantastic advice because most of my career has been in the medical space where physicians don't necessarily move around a lot. And so, you know, when you're selling into a lot of doctor's offices, they're kind of landlocked. Now, some of them change practices, but I'd say less than 2% change practices, unless they go to like a bigger hospital chain, et cetera. So this is a fantastic idea. It's already kind of spurred some ideas with some of my other businesses and and prospects. And so besides the advocates going to another companies, because at some point you have to build the advocates, talk about your process and how you build the advocates in the first place. 
Well, so first it's going to start even pre-sales. So mm -hmm. it's going to start with you building a brand within a brand. So let's think of a sales professional. Mm -hmm how important it is for you to build yourself as a trusted advisor. And you've probably heard that statement a million times, but there's a reason why you keep hearing it because this is a simple analogy because you mentioned medical. Mm -hmm. You walk into a doctor's office and on door left is Dr. Oz. Now, Dr. Oz pre-politics. <laughs> yeah. And on the right <laughs> is, is Dr. Nick Riviera, like doctor you've never heard of. And you've got an ailment. Do you go left and go with the doctor that you see on TV and you know and you've heard of? Mm -hmm. Or do you go with the doctor you've never heard of? Mm -hmm. Nine out of ten people are going to choose Dr. Oz. Why? Because they have brand reputation, brand salience, the whole bit. Mm -hmm. You as a person need to also do this. People buy from people. People buy from people they like. And people buy from people they like and trust. Mm -hmm. And then the last part of that saying is people buy from people that are like themselves. And so you want to have your customer feel like you've walked a mile in their shoes. And that comes with you building an online brand that has authentic, like a trusted advisory so that when the customer looks at you, they say, you know what I'm like. You've walked a mile in my shoes. If you don't start that at the pre-sales side, then your customers are then just buying maybe a product or a widget. And then now your customer success team need to do the exact same thing mm -hmm. because if they're not building authentic brands and then socially surrounding the customer, like bringing them into their network and sharing ideas and best practices, it's so easy for the customer to then churn because the customer is then only judging your business on the merits of the product itself mm -hmm. or, the, or the service that you offer. And any hiccup in that product or, or service and they go, well, I don't need this anymore. I'm going to move to the next one. So it's amazing what the human side of customer success, of the del of deliverables inside of a business can do to get people sticky. Because it is inevitable that the people that you're working with are going to up and leave and go. And that gives you, and it becomes a compounding effect. The bigger your business gets, the more advocates that spill around, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I will tell you a story, if you don't mind. Surviving Outside Sales podcast is brought to you by Rhythm AI. If you are in outside sales, check out RhythmAI.com. That's R-I-T-H-M-A-I.com. The sales enablement tool that will help outside sales teams build their best sales days every day. Rhythm. Prospecting, targeting, and routing simplified. Everything an outside sales team needs, nothing it doesn't. Try for $1 for the first month today. That's rhythmai.com. Now back to the show. So this is a bit of a warning sign. This is a scaled billion dollar business. Mm -hmm. But so we started monitoring signals for this customer, relationship signals. We were watching CXOs leave their customers and go into a very specific set of named accounts. And we found them 90 signals over two months. Like these are like, Chief Information Security Officer, Chief Marketing Officer, Chief Digital Officer, going into these businesses. We thought this is going to be a slam dunk because you've got an advocate of the highest order going mm -hmm. from company A to company B. What our customer discovered was that their CSMs of the 90 signals we gave them, 85 of the 90 signals, their customer success team didn't know who that Chief Digital Officer was. 
Mm-hmm. I had not built a relationship, had no LinkedIn connection, had no social connection to these people. So when the lead got passed to pre-sales, now they're at a new company. Pre-sales picked up the phone, assumed they were going to have the greatest lead in the world, dialed up, called. I never heard of your business. Mm-hmm. I don't know who you are. And all of a sudden, the, the pre-sales team's going, what are you talking about? You just came from one of our customers. Yeah. What they came to recognize was a, a broken process in developing those advocates. So the moral of the story is the actions you take with your customers today fuel your pre-sales team in 2023 and 2024 and so forth. Yeah, that's a great lesson to learn. It is, you don't just sell somebody once and that's not the goal. You want to be able to have that recurring sales because again, you you don't know exactly where that person's going to go. That VP of sales today could be the CEO of a new company down the road. And if you have, if you, yeah, if you haven't built that relationship, you know, and, and now when you were saying that story, I started thinking back to a couple scenarios in, in my professional life where that happened, where you just assume, and I think there is a, you don't want to be the pushy salesperson. And sometimes you think, well, they know, look, I had no idea till I started running my own shows that I realized how little time I had to really think and ponder about certain ideas. But when you're actually the salesperson, you have all the time in the world. And so you just assume everybody is living, eating, breathing your product or service. They are not. And if you're not in front of them and your product or service is not in front of them, they're not currently using it. They're probably not thinking about it and they probably won't be thinking about it. And so it was a wake up call. And so if you're listening right now and you're not using this type of process, this is the wake up call. You need to make sure that people know exactly what your product does and why they are using it or their company is using it, even if they're not using it. And I recently had another guest on where we were talking, you know, you want to be in the room where it happens. And if you want to have advocates in the room, you want to have your brand represented well in the room, you want people talking about you positively if you are not in the room. Now, the goal is to get in the room, you know, be CE, start your own company, be the founder. But if you're not, it is, it's putting in these processes from day one, as you mentioned, to build it up so that it's just like you're in the room. And so, yes, it helps pre-sales and it helps people down the road, 2023, 24, 25, so on and so forth. This is fantastic Mm -hmm. advice. The big thing that also the learning was not just that relationship with that one person. That Mm -hmm. was, in fact, the mistake that our customer was making. Mm -hmm. They were fortunate in the relationship with the one person. They were hugging that person every day. And then that one person would go. But the buying committee, the other key stakeholders, champions, influencers, decision makers, cross-functional people that are influenced by their product, they just weren't forging those relationships. That's actually called being single-threaded versus being multi-threaded. Yeah. And man, if you are single-threaded in an account, knowing that statistically the average person isn't staying in their job now for 18 months to 24 months. Mm. Yeah. Scary. Then all of a sudden, you know, half of your, well, the actual mathematics is that a CRM depletes or decays Mm -hmm. at 3% a month. So Mm. 3% of your contacts are going in, out, and up of every business and changing from what you have in your stagnant CRM. So within a year, you're talking about half of a database has changed. So, Yeah. And I think I saw the stat the other day, a a VP of sales, 17 months is the average tenure. It's six quarters because yes. on about six quarters, <laughs> yeah. Gone. yeah, yeah. And I, I, I saw another the other day. I don't remember it. I'm gonna have to search it and reference it at a later time. But it was about medical sales reps, and it was like the average tenure right now is 16 months for a medical sales rep. Yeah. 
And one of the reasons why they get in, things were promised, maybe it's just not right product market fit, maybe it's not product rep fit. But when you were talking, I thought of something, and I want to bring this up because a lot of my audience is pharmaceutical medical. This happened to me one time. I had a very big writer. I was new to pharmaceutical sales, and this physician was older. He he told he took total control of all of the rep calls. You know, we we had to wait right by his office, and so there was no interaction with the nurses, his nurses, his staff. I only talked to him for about two years, and he was one of my biggest writers. He passed away. And so I came in and I, f- I heard the terrible news. And so I started talking and they're like, who are you? And I said, oh, well, I'm, I'm Mike. And they're like, never heard of you, never seen your products before. I was starting over in an office where I had one of my top 10 doctors because I never took the time. I never thought about it. And you know, sometimes ignorance is, is an excuse that people use, but I, I didn't think about that. I hadn't really been trained you know, to go deeper than that person. Oh, you better believe ever since that time, that was what, 2009? Ever since then, I definitely have realized, okay, I got to get to know everybody. I want everybody to know me and I want to know everybody. So if you're listening right now, that is fantastic advice. Anything you want to follow up on that? No, but other than I have had the, I, I can't even tell you the number of horror stories of deals where I thought this was going to happen. And then what I didn't know was that my champion was trying to push this solution that I offered mm-hmm. in just before they were decided, like they already knew they had never said anything, but they were moving on to mm-hmm. another business. Mm-hmm. They're trying to push it through. And then it got delayed and then, you know, we would do our follow-up call like, okay, next steps to launch and onboarding. Actually, I know we've been working for two months. Actually, I got a job. I start on Monday at another business. So you knew that started two months ago. My transition is over to Mike. And then now I'm starting a brand new sales cycle. It happens all the time. I just assume that my champion is the one, you know, yeah. the how, one how- little state how deep do you think, you know, you don't want to necessarily, and I, I hate this phrasing, waste time, but you know, you don't necessarily want to get to know every single person. Like if you're calling on a hospital, you don't, you don't want to know every single person in the building. That would take forever to do so. What, uh, you know, speak from your experience, you know, you don't have to, if you don't have any experience in the medical space, but if you're calling on a company selling software, because that's what you did for a while, you had a company and, you know, VP of sales, CEO, the CFO, the, you know, I all the... Yeah, I think it's important to, sorry to interrupt. I was going to say, I think it's important that you as the rep, I don't know that that's necessary. So it's your responsibility to take action to engage those particular people. But I think that's a higher level order on the corporation. So head of revenue operations, sales operations, sales leadership to design what's called like an ICP map, like an ideal customer profile map Mm -hmm. of what the buy-in committee should be. And the whether it's three people, five, seven, ten depends on the size of the product or solution that you that you sell. But that should be predetermined, and us as an entire organization should have the same process. Yeah. So if I'm going to try to use your world in the in the medical device world, there might be the power user, like the person. Of, so Hugh Frady has been a customer of ours forever. So I'm just going to use them in the dental industry. Yeah. You have the dental hygienist who uses the tool. You have the dentist who owns the practice, but also does some of the bigger work. Then you have the administrator at the front desk. And all all of a sudden, you need to know and triangulate who could possibly influence that deal. Mm -hmm. 
So if I'm in Euphrates, I need to have the hygienist on there because they need to know the grip, the fit, the finish, because they're the ones holding it. The mm -hmm. doctor's the one paying the bill. So there needs to be a return on investment on the tool that they bought. The administrator needs to know that they can reorder parts and supplies at a moment's notice. So if I don't have those three people known, mapped, and developed a relationship, mm -hmm. I'm either going to break in one or two places. I'm going to break in the pre-sales. Somebody is, it's called the spinning plate theory. So mm -hmm. not all everybody's plates are all going to be spinning at the same time. Somebody will be confused and derail my deal. Yep. Or I win the deal. We're a couple months into implementation or we're now a customer and we're having headaches and problems. And you, it's like you almost wish you didn't have the customer because I didn't pre-educate these three people. So that buying committee mapping has to be done before you even start the engagement process. No, that's fantastic advice because you don't want to think that one person is a decision maker and they're not. And so I guess when you, when you start talking, I started thinking about it. It's almost as if, if you were a customer of that business, who would be touching that customer? And that's a person that needs to know about your product because you don't want the person at the front desk when somebody calls, oh, yeah, I've never heard of that. And the person hangs up. That could be a potential loss of sale. So all of that is absolutely fantastic. So I wanted to shift real quick because I, you know, we have limited time together and I do appreciate you hopping on the show. I'd love to have you back in the future and to have a longer conversation, but LinkedIn and social selling. If, if people are listening right now, what advice can you give us? Obviously, everything has changed. The pandemic changed a lot. Lots gone more virtual. Everything has shifted. Going into 20, end of 2022 and 2023, what advice would you give the sales rep out there to do more social selling, get into social selling, or expand that avenue of their business? Yeah. And let's break social selling or prospecting. Because the end result of what you're doing is you're building a book of business or a pipeline. Mm -hmm. Social selling is just digitizing your sales process. But when you're prospecting, there's a left brain motion and a right brain motion. Mm -hmm. So many of us conflate or confuse LinkedIn and you're like, should I use LinkedIn? I don't think people read my messages. Here's the thing is, let's separate mutually exclusive left and right brain. Mm -hmm. What the left brain does collects objective data, facts, intelligence to make informed decisions. At the very least, use LinkedIn to provide you things and you can do this on your own. Of course, we do it at scale. Signals. Mm -hmm. Tell me, as an example, in your industry, medical device, as an example. Mm -hmm. Tell me everybody that started a new job or got promoted in the ideal customer profile that matters to me. Because now I have a compelling event and a reason to reach out. Tell me everybody that came from a competitor. Tell me, or came from a customer. Tell me everybody that's connected or has experience with one of my competitors. I use all of that information to account, select, prioritize, and segment. If all you use LinkedIn was for that, it pays for itself 100x because it will organize you and prepare you for the right side of your brain, which you may say, LinkedIn is not the medium of communication I wanna use. I walk into doctor's offices, I send mail, Medium of communication is separate from the tool that provides you data on people. And that's where you need to start is you first collect data and intelligence. You then translate it into sales engagement. 
Wow. That is, there's a lot of homework that if you're listening right now, you need to go out and take a look at that on LinkedIn. And Jamie, thank you so much for your time. How can the audience connect with you and learn more about Pipeline Signals and also your book, Social Selling Mastery? Connect with me on LinkedIn. Okay. I think I'm the only Jamie Shanks. I'm not sure. Go to pipelinesignals.com. We're happy to help. Okay. There you go. Go to pipelinesignals.com. Thank you so much. And as always, please like, share, download, rate five stars on your platform and bring more like-minded people to this podcast. We really do appreciate it. Jamie, thank you so much. Hope you have a, a great rest of the week. And this has been Surviving Outside Sales. Have a great day. Thanks a lot.